Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to season two of Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Andrew Davidson, SVP and Chief Insights Officer for Compare Media based in New York, and it's great to be back. Now at Mintel, we spend a lot of time thinking about our respective industries, those that we cover, Uh, but today we're going to turn the camera around, so to speak, and, and, and talk about the future of what we do, which is provide insight to uh, our industries and to our clients. So on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the future of insight. Joining me to discuss this important topic, I have Toby Clark and Mark Breakin in London and Ben Corrales in Chicago. Welcome to the pod. Hi there. Hey, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. So if you could uh, please just introduce yourself, just give us a quick bit of background so the audience knows who you are in terms of how how long have you been at Mintel? How long have you been covering your respective or working your respective field of expertise? All right. Well, I'm Toby Clark. I run our European reports team. I've been at Mintel for a long time now, uh, just shy of 20 years. Started off in financial services, but now I cover pretty much every sector we look at. Hey, I'm Ben Corrales. I lead Mintel's data science team under our Mintel Futures Department. Uh, I've been in data science for about a decade, and in my ample free time, I'm a part-time instructor at Loyola University Chicago. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Mark Breakin. I'm Director of Consumer Research and Data Analytics here at Mintel. Um, been in the industry about 25 years, uh, worked at Mintel for about 19 of those uh, in various roles. Excellent. Well, welcome. Some like some real uh, diverse groups and some heavy hitters, I think, in terms of like you know kicking off our new season. Um, so I want to start with this question, and in thinking about your own sort of career and your own career journey, you know what what you know just, what was the light bulb moment where you knew that you know this was the industry for you? I don't know. I'll start. I mean, I to be honest, I drifted into it. I used to work for a university, and then an old colleague who'd moved to Mintel approached me. But the thing is, I've always loved writing, always loved learning new things, always been fascinated by the way that people think and behave. And it tied in with my uh, economics background, which I did at degree level. So it's kind of more luck than judgment, but I, I drifted yes. into a role that, that seemed to fit me pretty much perfectly. Um, pretty much similar to Toby. Um, I've, um, I was lucky that I started out at a, a small uh, consumer research, market research company uh, in London in the mid-90s by chance. Um, had a real startup feel to it. Um, there was a lot of really bright young researchers there, um, a lot, of, many of whom have gone on to significant careers uh, now. But I remember um, a couple of weeks after starting in the pub, uh, I was confronted by one of them who said, are you really 25 years of age? As if that it was old. I mean, this was this was what we were dealing with back then. Um, it was very, it was very new to me. It was a very new industry, but it it was great. Um, I learned a lot from these guys. It was it was a bit Nathan Barley at times, but um, I, I definitely learned a lot from these guys, and um, I, I think I was hooked from then on. <laughs> So nobody said like, "I want to be a market researcher" when they were like in their still in their shorts. What about you, Ben? Yeah, same thing. Sort of drifted into it. I've always been attracted to solving problems and and uh, really really getting into data and kind of uh, working through uh, different aspects, programming, statistics. Always loved it. So I think it was just natural that I'd drift into market research, but uh, was always fascinated by data science and, and analytics. I, I think the, 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 the I think the, the moment that got me, I think, was to be it was my first presentation, and I had to. Um, 
I was like 23 and I, I had to, I flew up, I was back in London. I flew from London to Edinburgh to present uh, about credit cards to the Royal Bank of Scotland. But I, and I can remember sort of going out for lunch before and I could barely eat anything. I was so nervous. Uh, but just the whole idea that, you know, yeah, I, there was a room full of people that was sort of, you know, th- what I was talking about was going to have an impact on the, on the business was, I think it was uh, you know, quite thrilling to me. And I think from then on, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is the industry for me. Uh, so that was the moment that got me. Um, so, I mean, w- this is about the future of insight. You know, every, every industry that we talk about at Mintel is undergoing yeah, constant change. I mean, I'll just throw out some buzzwords. Automation, AI, big data, data visualization, you know, there's a whole stream of buzzwords. You know, I mean, the, the research and the, the business of insights is no different. We're undergoing constant change. Um, you know, we've we, we got a lot of experience here. So what is, this, you know, what is the state of the industry today, would you say, from your perspective, um, and how has it changed? I think, I mean, in terms of how it's changed, that... I'm pretty sure it was probably about five years after joining Mintel before I actually saw a real-life client. We kind of produced these books and we dug out the data and we published them and we sent them off and we kind of assumed that people were reading them because otherwise they wouldn't pay for them. But that was that was about as close as we got. Now it's, you know, most days I'm talking directly to clients. So that's one big shift. We've got to be loads more responsive. And then the other one is just about data. And when When mm. I started, like, Genuinely, part of my job was going to the paper handbooks that National Statistics published, typing in the data, and then we'd republish that. And that had a value because not everyone had the internet on their desk at the, at the time. Right. Now, there's so much data out there, and the value of each individual piece of data has, has dropped. I think the real challenge now, and that's what's that's the really fun bit is it's about taking that data and explaining to people what it actually means, not what the numbers are, mm. but what it says about yeah. consumers or markets and how stuff is changing. I think that's, that's the biggest change. That's the direction it's going to be going in, I think, in the next five, 10 years. And I think that's, from an analyst point of view, that's, that's so much more interesting than, than the old days. Right. I think from my perspective, yeah. from a consumer research, from a methodological point of view, I think the fundamental goal of uh, capturing consumer behavior hasn't really changed. Um, I think the way uh, we do that has. Um, I think for me, the, the biggest change has been obviously technology, um, but client needs as well. Um, it's become the need has become for fast and cheap research. Um, and there's a lot more DIY market solutions mm-hmm. out there as well. And Toby, Toby's right. I mean, I remember going to British library and city business library <laughs> and trying to find data uh, that way and taking notes, but now it's, it's prevalent. It's everywhere. And these cheaper tools, they, they allow the democratize democratization of data. Um, Unfortunately, I think that's largely, um, it's largely good for a quick read, um, but I wouldn't necessarily base a lot of business strategy around that. So I don't think um, the need for a good, robust methodology has changed. Mm. I just think those methodologies are, are, are in flux at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, like to you, I guess you're both hitting on it. It's like, there's just so much information out there and i think when i think about the change i think there's you know nobody has any time anymore and so there's there's no time for irrelevant information like you say mark it's like you know the methodology still counts it still has to be robust 
but nobody's got any time for anything that's irrelevant. And so it's, and to your point, Toby, it's about getting to the, getting beyond the obvious, getting to the insight, getting to, you know, that new understanding that makes a difference. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm one thing I'm, you know, it, I mean, I think it doesn't come naturally to everybody either. And one thing I'm particularly proud about at Mintel is that we, we teach everyone that the Mintel insight process, you know, so that I think, and that it's important to have this framework to understand how to connect the dots across all of these, you know, different data sets to understand how to, you know, to, to identify those data patterns and to, uh, identify the, you know, the new understanding, the insight, uh, that makes a difference. Um, ben, what about your perspective on this? Yeah, I think all of you covered off on it pretty well. From from my standpoint, I think it's just expectations keep getting higher, right? As technology increases, it's just keeping up with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technologies, and that's a good segue actually, because when we think about, so that's now. You know, we've already got this like time-starved clients. We've got this sort of pressure on how we how we actually, you know, the methodologies around it in terms of cost and speed. Uh, technologies changing, um, so that's now. But you know, where are we going in the future? You know, you know, when we think about the future, what what is it that you know? the researchers or insights professionals need to really pay attention to when they think about the future of their industry? Um, I, well, actually, I think we're at an interesting point at the moment um, in that there is a lot of skepticism around traditional research, but there's also a reluctance to embrace the change um, because it, it means quite often for our clients that um, they have to throw out legacy data sets and they're not willing to do that. Um, so I think where we're going is greater partnerships, more trust and, you know, credibility in our research. Um, technology can help that, but I think it's, it's still all about people and analysts. Mm. Yeah, I'll back that up. And I think some of the stuff that I know Ben's team's looking at, some of the advances in methodology that, that Mark's team look at, I mean, that's all great and that, that's the way to the future. But as an analyst, you know, when we, when we were scraping data out of uh, the pages of national statistics publications, like the real skill was still understanding what that means and understand what it means for markets. The better tools we have and the more data we've got and the easier it is for us to cut through and understand that data and process it, that mm-hmm. makes life better and it gives us more options. But like Mark says, it's still about people looking at people and looking at consumer behavior and putting yourself in their shoes and trying to understand what's what motivates them and then what that means for the future i think that's still always going to be the core of it understanding people and consumer behavior so machines can't connect the dots in the same ways that humans can um well i I think insight will look the same right in the future i think there's still there's still a need for technology and it will benefit from it and i do think ben and his team and data scientists can join the dots but i think it's there are some myths around ai machine learning um that i think the industry is still pretty skeptical of and and ben does a beautiful job in explaining exactly what data science is which i'm sure he will in a minute but if i can just throw one stat at you in the in the latest grit report um they they do um they do some questioning around buzzwords in the industry um and i think uh, they do some uh, typologies, and amongst optimists, 35% of them mention AI, and 36% of pessimists mention AI. And that tells me that there's still uh, um, a fundamental misunderstanding about what technology and this, and this stuff can do for our industry. Yes, yes, that's, an, that's really interesting. And it's a nice lead-in, actually, I think. So let's, let's uh, 
go there. Let's go to go to the topic of data science and data scientists. I was uh, reading, was it last year, that the, according to Glassdoor, data science, a data, the data scientist was the best job in America. So how I'll, do you feel I'll about take that, it, Ben? As long as people keep saying it, but <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think I've been pretty forthcoming in terms of uh, my opinion on this. I, you know, data science is a new word to this to describe something that's been around for a long time, right? Uh, it's, it's a field of study. It's a study of, uh, it involves programming, it involves statistics, but it's really a study of a set of tools that enable us to uh, extract meaningful information from data, right? And, and that extraction of meaningful information from data, when it translates into a new understanding that makes a difference, is an insight, right? So this, this word data science plays in really well with things that we do and that we're experts in here at Mintel, right? It's, it's just that data science has the stigmatism of using some of these tools that are just like the word data science, machine learning, AI. Mm-hmm. No one really knows what's under the covers of, of that, right? right? But um, I mean, I think it, but it can help. I, th- I think from my, when I, when I think about it from our perspective, like you say, of like trying to understand and trying to uh, get to the new understanding that makes a difference, it's, it, these are tools, like you say, that help us with that. So it's, a, it's all about, you know, as data gets bigger and we get more and more data, where I think about the real benefit of Mintel is being able to sort of show us where that, how that data is changing or show those indicators of change to help us formulate those insights. Uh, but as data gets bigger and bigger, it's more hard, difficult to manipulate. And so AI can step in there and, and, and help us. With our, okay, is that a correct? Potentially, you, yeah. Would you I agree mean, with that? I, I define AI as, as a toolbox and, and there's different tool sets in that toolbox of AI, right? Uh, in, in, Machine learning is a subset of that toolbox. And it's, yes, when you have ample amounts of data, when you have large amounts of data, like we do in in some cases, it is useful to use some advanced statistical concepts to help us uh, connect dots or abstract away, um, you you know, you can think of them as averages, right? Or help us understand what's going on, but it still requires that human, that expert that knows the domain, that knows what they're looking at to, to take that information that, that uh, these techniques are helping you find mm. and, and turn them into insight. And I'm sure it's a fight as a, as, as a segment, you know, as an, as an, as an area of specialization, it might, I'm sure it's fast changing, right? Oh, it's hugely uh, change. It's changing all the time. Right. And it's so broad too. It, it's, it's a large domain and there's a lot of different things that are going on in the space and it's uh, changing within specific subdomains as well. Right. So data science is about applying these concepts and skills in a particular subset, right? So there are data scientists in all fields of study, psychology, biology, chemistry, right? They're all over the place and they're data scientists in market research. It's all changing, but, but, it, but it's about it's keeping up with those changes that are happening. And a lot of times those changes are academic and it's about understanding what the impact is and it's understanding about what is possible mm-hmm. But in reality, and I think most people that are in this space and well-practiced find that the simplest solutions are often the best ones. And, and those that have been around for a really long mm-hmm. time uh, usually result in the, in the most benefit. It's just about understanding those advancements and understanding when they might be uh, suitable for, for a problem. Yeah. What are the, some of the, what are the sort, of, sort of challenges do you find? Yeah, the, the challenges are just in, in line with how broad the field is. Where do I go? Uh, do, I, do I go down this path or do I go down that path, right? Um, and 
there's a lot mm-hmm. of challenges in that because it's so broad and because there's so much um, noise out there, so to speak, it, you can spend a lot of time mm-hmm. going through the, um, or going down a rabbit hole, so to speak, of, of trying to answer a particular question or a problem with a particular technique and eventually find out that that technique isn't, isn't the appropriate one, right? And there's also struggles in, in, um, in a team dynamic, right? So as a team, there's a lot of different specialties that could occur and a lot of different avenues that you can go down. And it's, it's, again, it's about making sure that you have some uh, flexibility in the team to um, adapt to um, the problem that you're trying to face. Sure. Um, so well, Ben, sorry, Andrew, so Ben, is, is the real skill here or the frustration um, come when you'll set objectives uh, around data sets or it's just a data mining exercise, go and find some um, trends within that. Sorry, Andrew, I'm doing your job here. Um, no, good, that's good. Uh, but I'm just curious as to um, how, how you enjoy or how you guys add value from this data or, you know, or you need a brief at the, at the outset. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think the only way that our team can add value and, and the only way that we do is by working hand in hand and really closely with the other teams here at Mintel, right? We can't be experts in all of the different things that are happening in data science and then also be experts in consumer and our different industries. It's, it's not possible. No, no human or group of humans could do that, right? It's about collaborating. We can bring some techniques and we can bring some idea of how to use certain tools, but we have to partner with, with the experts that, that are uh, finding the insight today. And then, sorry, I'll take over from Andrew now. My turn. <laughs> <laughs> It's because I've got a bunch of, you know, researchers on the, they all want to ask questions. So, I mean, I reckon it's probably fair to say that stuff like AI and machine learning is probably close to the peak of the hype cycle. So, Andrew, like financial services, you know, a couple of years ago that you couldn't get on a conference stage without talking about blockchain. It seems like it's pretty much the same now with AI and machine learning. Does that make your life more difficult? Do you feel that people are coming to you and say, right, you, you know everything, you can solve every problem? Are the expectations unrealistic? You know, so my previous life before Mintel, I was a consultant and I would say yes, right? As a consultant in data science, everyone's asking you, can you solve some ridiculous problem that, that uh, and they think it's an easy button. And it, it, it always, it isn't always, uh, and it's almost never that easy, right? At Mintel, I feel like we're surrounded by a culture of analysts and researchers that understand the difficulty in extracting data information from data. And, and I feel like we're much more realistic. So here it's a lot easier because I feel like we're at a much more level playing ground. Um, and, and there's still sometimes that unrealistic expectation of, can we go and do this thing? And it's really just coming out of uh, a lack of knowledge behind what people say when when they say AI, but working with those people and kind of showing them what's possible, I f- find here that um, it's not so difficult. And I think, you know, I think what's so, so exciting about when I'm listening to this conversation, it's blending the best of the methodologies and robust methodologies with, you know, the latest in, in data science and then, and then connecting the dots to develop those, uh, those insights. Um, so I'd like to switch and really sort of talk a bit about what this really means for insights professionals. Um, and I, I wanted to just, I, I saw this quote uh, last year. It was uh, someone who'd attended the SMR conference. SMR is that the European research body. Um, and it was a blog and the, and the blog was titled, What Wasn't Discussed at the SMR Conference? 
written by J.D. Deitch from P2Sample. But I'm going to read this out because I just, I just thought this was particularly interesting and it touches on a couple of points that, uh, that Toby and Mark said. But the idea, the, basically the post was about automation. Right, so it was about automation. Um, and so the author writes, I do believe there will be room for researchers, mainly for big strategic questions. These people will be creative forecasters and trend spotters who are method agnostic and weave a bit of data, creative sparks, critical observations, and sound business knowledge into a broad plan of action. Uh, business knowledge will be table stakes. Deep methodology knowledge may be useful but not critical. Experience delivering real impact will be the mark of excellence. So I thought it was an interesting quote. It's got there's quite a few things to sort of unpack there. But um, what what do you think, Toby? I, a good analyst is aware of their own biases. So I've got. I mean, I'm I'm biased here. I've got a horse in this race. Like I think that there will always be a role for humans. I've got a team of really really smart analysts who work across different markets. And I think there'll always be a role for those people to look at the data, bring together different sort, different data sources, and and try and make sense of it. I think we're so far away from any stage where that can be totally automated away. I think where you talk about deep methodology knowledge, or the speaker talks about deep meth- deep methodology knowledge, might be useful but not critical. I kind of I buy that to a degree. But I also think as an analyst, you need to understand what you're working with and what the limitations are. And the number of times we talk to clients and they feel that one methodology is a magic bullet and they'll question the other one. I mean, what I'll always say is that there's something to be said with every sort of research methodology. And at the same time, every research methodology is, is flawed. There's no, perfect, there's no perfect answer. If we go into these discussions without at least having a rough idea of what the methodology is, then then we can fall into traps really easily. So yeah, I'll, I agree that what you need people to knit it together. I mean, it's so easy these days to like gra- grab a stat off the internet or something, you know, uh, and I go back to this point about people being time starved and they might not want us to sort of spend, you know, 20 minutes talking through the detailed sampling uh, structure. But, you know, when you're a, a company with a reputation of, of Mintel, you know, it's, you're, it's, you're expected, obviously the min- methodology is, is you know, there's an expectation there. There's a trust that the methodology is robust and um, uh, and done properly. Um, yeah, I agree with Toby. Apart from, I'd go a little bit further. I think it's vitally important to have a solid methodological base uh, and be able to understand and talk about that um, intelligently. And I think that's the type of thing that builds trust and credibility. I think um, we, we are sometimes slaves to it, but I'd rather... I'd rather we um, go down that road than the fast and uh, cheap research and not really, you know, it'd be good enough. If there's one phrase um, that I'd want to go away in the industry at the moment, it's good enough research. Yeah. Um, and I've heard of companies using that. No, of course. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably code for we can't afford uh, to do proper research or we don't want to. Um, so, Yes, that's that's a that that's what stood out from that uh, quote for me. I think um, again, it was what Ben was talking about before that um, technology will only take you so far. You need people. Um, it won't replace analysts, AI, and machine learning, um, but it will change the way we do things uh, for the better. Yeah, and just I mean, just to add to that, nothing can lie to you like a statistic can, right? If you don't fully understand what's going behind it, or or if you're reading into the statistic into in a different or wrong direction, you can gain the wrong understanding from that stat, right? And so 
as these things advance and as machine learning and AI, these are just more statistics that are being thrown at you. If you don't fully understand them or if you're not applying mm. them in the right way, they're just going to lie to you better. Toby, you had to you look like you were going to add something there? I mean, one thing that scares the life out of me is when you go out to clients and they talk about their great survey, which they did on SurveyMonkey. And I mean, not, not all of that is terrible, but some of it, you look at it and you just think, that's a leading question. And you go through it and you think, God, that's an awful survey. What about this option? What about this option? And it is, it's one of those things, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. And I'm not saying that it doesn't have any role at all. But as, as Ben says, like if you've a statistic based on flawed methodology, the more, the more faith you put in that, the further down the wrong route you can go. I think that's a real, yeah. that's a real danger. Well, and it's, it kind of reminds me of what's happened to the whole the news industry right now people you know you, you people suddenly realize that if they subscribe to like a a proper news publication they'll get much better um you know better understanding so it's kind of it's almost like you know we've kind of went down a certain pathway but you know there's an expectation there to your point mark about trust uh and about getting this right but i, I read this and i kind of like i think it's exciting for people if for researchers and for insights professionals because yes you've got all this technology that's sort of changing the industry but at the end of the day it's going to provide more uh indicators on which you know of, of change which is for for us to sort of base our insights on so it should lead to better insights um based on better understanding yeah so um so i i think it's all very exciting i think um from the sort of the big picture um so I mean, those entering the industry today are going to be living out their careers in this future. It's going to be obviously very different in, in 10 years' time again. Um, so I wanted sort of like final question really is just to say, what well, if you were going to give one piece of career advice to someone starting out in research today, um, starting out in this sort of world of insight, what, what, what piece of career advice would you give? Can I go first? Yeah, go, <laughs> Ben's going to go. All right, go on. More math. <laughs> <laughs> We, we talk about it all the time in my team. I wish I had studied more math. Really? These, oh, yeah. These, these things, they're getting harder. It's, it's getting harder to make things simple. And it's getting harder to, to get things to be a concise understanding. And um, the more advanced we get and the more advanced things seem, it, it, it just, um, I wish, and I, I wish I could tell everyone who's entering this field, um, don't discount your basic math classes and, and your stat classes and, and definitely spend some more time on that. It, but I could be a little too far on the data science. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Actually, that's not a million miles from what I was going to say, which was as soon as possible, develop your data analysis skills and visualization. I mean, the sooner you can tell a story from data, the further you'll go and um, it will just benefit your career. Um, and also be willing to work. Yeah, a good point. Data, we didn't talk much about data visualization. Um, Toby, career yeah, I I'm obviously going down the different angle. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty data literate. I think maths is really important, but I think the one bit of advice I'd give is just stay interested in people because I think it's that understanding of people and how they behave. Yeah. And the thing which, one thing which really winds me up is talking about consumers and talking about them as if they're a completely different species, as if you're, you know, you're a zoologist looking at creatures in a zoo. It's really easy, especially when you start hiding behind data, just to think this is all numbers. And what you have to do is take a step back and think, well, hang on, I'm, I'm a consumer. I buy stuff. I live, my friends live. I, you can't think of consumers as some like, amorphous mass of, of consuming units. You've got to think of them as people. Yeah. So sort of live it. 
Yeah, it's a good point. The cur- have a natural curiosity about people and consumers. I think going back to your very first question, um, you asked about the past and what drew us into this industry. I think one of the, the big things for us, and I think Toby will agree here, is um, the emergence of behavioral economics and consumer psychology, mm. uh, which absolutely changed the way we we kind of did things, we, the way we designed research and the way we thought about consumers. I think I think if you have a if you have a great understanding and interest in that, you'll you'll do well. Good one. I mean, I I would add, and I think those are three uh, three really interesting ones. It's interesting that you all had something very different to say. Actually, I thought that was kind of interesting in itself. Um, is this whole this whole idea of embracing change? And I think you know, researchers, insights professionals, they need. To, it's all about adaptability nowadays. About being flexible, because you know these days we have to embrace different data sets, different different data points coming at us from different angles, but still have to get to that, that point of telling the story to, um, you know, as we we're saying. So obviously easier said than done, but in being adaptable, being flexible, um, you know, kind of being like a you know, sort of the Swiss army knife sort of springs to mind in terms of having these sort of multi, uh, multi-talented and being able to embrace this change because it's accelerating. Um, you know, and we're not standing still. Um, but obviously, uh, interesting times uh, nonetheless. All right. Well, so thank you, Toby. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or any other platform you get your podcast from. This is season two. Um, so we're excited to be back. Please spread the word. If you want to know more about Mintel, who we are and what we do, head over to Mintel.com and follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts. Thank you. Thank you.